Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. It's been a few weeks. I know. Yeah. I know. It's crazy because like this. So this is the first show that I've done since I got back. Uh, we didn't do Angry Chicken last night. We're doing it on Wednesday because of a scheduling conflict. And uh, man, it feels weird to be like back and doing video games and talking to people on the Internet. Like I had two weeks of like no Internet hardly at all. I played like a little bit of snap on my phone when I could like lean funny off the balcony of the cottage and like try to get a little bit of cell signal. And even then I got disconnected from most of my games. So I've been like in my own little bubble uh, internet free zone. And then when I went to Ottawa to see family, like I have a 15 month old niece. She takes a lot of attention. (laughs) Like by the time we were done with the day, then I was just like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. Ryan, honestly, I do not know how you do this. I do not understand. That was one. You have three. Like what? Yeah. Uh, On podcast nights, I'll usually have like an 8 p.m. coffee. So. Okay. So it's all about the caffeine then. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, uh, yeah, pretty much. Like I do. I do have a a little bit more of the coffee as I look over away from the mic. But yeah, yeah, coffee uh, that usually usually does it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a couple weeks and then we're off next week. We're both off yes. next week. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll both be rusty again in two weeks time when we get back. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, everyone at home look forward to this episode and the next one as we discuss uh, its quality before we even get going. Really, like I feel like yeah. Uh, <laughs> setting up some some solid standards exactly i just want to set expectations low (laughs) so that when the show goes well people are like whoa that was amazing yeah (laughs) best episode ever and uh you know what let me start off with the question that i mean it sounds like you didn't have internet so i'm guessing you did not uh buy the expensive cloth map edition of of god of war ragnarok (laughs) I did not. So I have still not played God of War. I did not have any sort of um, like no game consoles. I didn't have any anything while I was away. So no, I have not played God of War and therefore I have not bought the expensive cloth map edition. But I am still planning on playing God of War. So maybe eventually. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, I did see I, I think we were talking a bit about it in Discord. I did see that Horizons special edition was actually on sale on amazon just last week so there's still stock out there of that one so oh yeah yeah and you know they create this like false sense of scarcity because like the the horizon one was the same where you know they put the original stock out and it sold out in five minutes or whatever and i was i was lucky enough uh, lucky air quotes enough to to get it in that first round and you know it was awesome because it's one of my favorite I was going to say games, but I guess franchises, because I I love both the the first and the second. Uh, But anyways, like I I felt very fortunate to get it. And, you know, like I paid a lot of money for it. And there's just so many editions of it now that are just like you can find them everywhere. Like the prices on eBay have fallen. Obviously, they're stock in regular stores. Like, yeah, it's. I'm not worried. I'm sure that if I even if I don't get to God of War until after Ragnarok comes out, like 
there will be stock should I want a cloth map. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll be fine. But, you know, we'll uh, we'll continue to check in. We'll we'll take another week off. See if you boot it up. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Now I have two adorable puppies that take a lot of time and energy, as I have found in just the last 48 hours. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping I can carve out some some gaming time in the evenings in particular. So we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping I can like create them for the night because they like to go to bed a little earlier than I do and then get a couple hours of game time in. So very similar. We were talking before the show, very similar to uh, to very small children, <laughs> like put them to bed so that mommy can have some mommy time. <laughs> yeah. As soon as the kids go down uh, lately, it's been run downstairs. Uh, well, I don't run because if I were to run, I'd, I, I would probably trip down the <laughs> stairs and wake the kids up because I'm so tired. Um, which, you know, has happened, you know, if you miss a step and you make a large noise and like, they're very sensitive. Um, but no, I, I've been playing a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles three. I'm not going to talk about it today because, uh, I'm, I'm, it's such a big game. Like it's, that shouldn't surprise anybody really, but I'm still making my way through it. But, uh, a quick shout out to the discord because there's, uh, similar to our game club, it's kind of an unofficial thing, but um our last guest we had on babylon redeemer he's been setting up threads for each chapter of xenoblade chronicles 3 and obviously i've been checking in oh quite wow late. yeah so i am way behind i think he's chapter seven right now there's a there's a thread it's a small thread so don't feel like you're if you are playing alongside it's like oh this sounds interesting and then you go in and there's like 300 messages it's it's not like that it's 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 much more of a of a, a, a smaller discussion but there's some good stuff in there. And I think he's got up to chapter seven now. So I've just popped into chapter three, caught up on the conversation pretty quick and, and added my thoughts. But yeah, it's uh, it's going smoothly. So we'll we'll see how that goes over the next couple of weeks. I think it's going to be my vacation game as well since it's portable. So nice. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned game club. Are you guys doing another game club starting up soon? Yes, actually, that's another game I probably need to get to because we are starting our next uh, TGI game club and we are going to be playing Pyre, uh, which is a a super giant game. The folks behind Hades, it was their uh, I think it was their their release before Hades, actually. And it's a story driven game with um, sort of a, a sports gameplay feel. There's like a like a made up sport in it that you play in between sort of story sessions and exploration sessions. Uh, if you, if you can't tell, I have not booted it up yet. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm leaving the homework until the very last minute, but our first discussion is going to be Sunday, August 14th in the discord. And um, I'm looking forward to that one. Cause it's one that I have tried, but never finished. And I kind of like, I, I like all of uh, the super giant games and really the only ones I've played are Hades and Bastion. So I think it's time to, to fill in those gaps with Pyre. Oh, okay. I was like, I know that that sounds familiar, like other than Hades. And I was like, what else did you do? Bastion was the was the other one I was thinking of. So that sounds really cool. So again, uh, Sunday, August 14th, if you guys want to join in the conversation over on the Discord, that is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. And um, much like uh, Babylon Redeemer had set up for um, Xenoblade Chronicles and for the previous TGI game club that we've had um, all of the like chapters and stuff are threaded so you guys don't have to worry about spoilers 
you just kind of like play along at your own pace and then go and jump into the conversation. And um, at least in the previous game club, I found everyone was really good about like going back and rejoining conversations as people caught up. So it's not like you're just posting your thoughts into the void that no one's ever going to read. It's very much like a book club, but for games. (laughs) So it it seemed to go really well. So I'm sure everyone's looking forward to uh, to Pyre. Pyre? Yep, Pyre. Okay, Pyre. Yeah, Pyre with a Y. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pyre with a y. <laughs> Maybe Pyre's always spelled with a Y, actually. I don't that. know. Mm. I don't know. I just, it's because it sounds like fire, but so I would think it would be P-I-R-E, but it's not, it's P-Y-R-E. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Pyre! <laughs> <laughs> Starting Sunday, August 14th. Go to the Discord to check that out. Um, so other than Xenoblade, because I know we're not talking about that tonight, uh, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Right. So uh, I talked a bit about this a couple of weeks ago when Dustin was on, but I've been uh, going back to my virtual reality headset, the Meta Quest 2, or as I was joking, the Oculus Quest 2, because that's what it was when I bought it. That's what it says on the box. <laughs> uh, Meta be damned. But uh, I suppose I should call it what it is when you go to buy it at the store today, which is the uh, the Meta Quest 2. Um, and I've been playing, you know, a bunch of different VR games. I actually caught up with uh, the Moss games. So I received a review code for Moss Book 2, which is the one we're going to focus on tonight. But I also finished up Moss Book 1 because, should surprise nobody, Moss Book 2 is a direct continuation of Moss Book no 1. No way! <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking when I booted up Moss Book 2. And then it's like, it gives you a story recap of the first game a a fairly lengthy one uh that's part of the sort of narrative introduction to the game and it does a really good job because again these vr games are usually uh in comparison to other you know uh, games you play on a traditional platform uh, are are a little bit shorter they're more bite-sized i would say that uh, moss book one so like okay because i'm looking this up now because i haven't really heard of it before and it's like Moss, book one, book two. I thought it was like Moss book. No, no. <laughs> one, Moss book two. I don't, I don't know why. So it's like, so the title of the game is like Moss. Yeah. And then there's book one, book two, book three, whatever. Yeah. I'm assuming there will be more books. <laughs> uh, may- maybe. I, I feel like Moss book one, Moss book one, book was, one. Like, <laughs> was, a, was a solid like, you know, I think it ended with uh, return to book for book two for more uh moss moss will return in book two or some <laughs> some marvel studios you know bland font at the end of the film telling you tune in next week when dr strange t- turns up in the next <laughs> thing uh i like marvel movies don't don't get me wrong but um with with moss book two it it does kind of give you a recap of the first one and it's not a hard thing to recap in the sense that like not not a lot is going on. I mean, you play a character. So basically, the the general gist of, of the control of, of the game, and I think the reason it was nice to bring this one to the show, especially with, with you on, is I know that you you and VR don't normally get along very well. Uh, you have a bit of a, no. a VR, uh, a, would you call it a, a VR stomach? But not really. Like, you get queasy, right? I do, yeah. I, and I can't, like, so I had trouble even when you guys were over and playing um, Beat Saber, which is which is not the most VR-y of VR games, um, but just, like, trying to watch the TV and stuff. Like, it, oh, man, it, it made me feel so queasy. So, yeah, no, I'm, I am not a VR gamer at all. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where 
So my 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 stomach, I, and I think it really when it comes to VR for me, it, it all comes down to the stomach for me. Like that's where I get the queasiness. I, some folks get dizzy. Some folks, you know, need to sit down. And I think for me, like I like to be seated for my VR experiences. But even then, um, you know, if you play for a longer period than a, a half hour to an hour, it can it can get uncomfortable. And, and I, you, I sort of feel like there's like this, the pit of my stomach just feels a little off. And I'm like, okay, I have to stop playing. Um, but I did not experience that with Moss Book 1 or 2. And I feel like that comes down to the way they've set up the gameplay in that in Book 2, or I'm just going to say in Moss, there is basically, you are the, um, you are the god type character that they call the reader, sort of present as the camera uh in the oh, game. Oh, okay. And you are sort of presented with these dioramas. So each level is a diorama uh where your main character Quill that you do control with the the left uh stick on on the touch controller. Is that the cute little mouse? Yes. Yeah, uh Quill is the mouse and uh he has an uncle named Argus, I think, or Old Mouse, we can call him that if you want. Okay. <laughs> Cuz he's older. Uh Uncle Mouse or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his name's Argus. I'm terrible with names, but I do I do remember those two names. Uh, and so you control Quill. He's the little mouse on the box art. And uh, so she's basically she moves. You can move her around uh, in the environment. You can make her jump. You can, She has a sword and she's it's very much set up like a Zelda type of experience where you have your quick combos with the sword. You're doing a bunch of puzzle solving, some platforming. And where the VR comes into play is that you are sort of, you know, your character is the reader and you're sort of anchored to this diorama and you are moving inside the diorama. Like the diorama isn't moving, it's stationary. You are controlling the camera. And I think that's where this game plays really well if you do have that that VR sickness problem, whereas like you are in control of what's happening. There's not a lot of fast moving pieces. It's it's basically you have your diorama and you're moving Quill around. Sometimes you're uh, attacking in like an arena type situation where enemies are coming towards you uh, or you're solving puzzles, um, flipping switches, stuff like that. So I didn't really experience any VR sickness while I was playing this. And I think it it really is probably the most comfortable experience I've had playing VR. Okay. So I'm just, I'm like watching a trailer and stuff now it, just in the background. So are you the kind of like blue character that's like, seems to be like watching over the story? Yes. Yeah. So okay. the reader, so basically not only are you in control of the camera and you're directly controlling uh, Quill, you do have um, two orb like hands that you can use to interact with the environment. Okay, cool. Um, and that is basically, again, paired with the fact that you're in control of the camera when you're interacting with the environment, like you're never losing your position, like you're, you're stationary at all times. So when you're picking up, like, say, an object, you're moving like a brick, you're pulling out a brick so that, uh, you know, Quill has something to, to run and jump on. You can move that block by grabbing it with your your the touch controller, pulling one of the triggers and you can pull it out, out into position to help you, say, activate a switch or give Quill a platform to jump onto. And it's very simple puzzles like that, especially early on. And, you know, they do layer upon it, but 
Yeah. It sounds a lot like it's almost like a bridge between emotion control and VR. Like it doesn't sound like it's the most immersive, like you're running around in the world VR. It sounds much more like they almost could just do this without the VR component, if I'm understanding correctly. Like having the headset doesn't really bring anything to it if you're mostly like moving your hands and grabbing things. Yeah. Well, the the thing is like there. So a couple notes on that, like it's it's it would be interesting to see this game uh, ported to like a traditional controller, because, yes, when you're controlling Quill, it is very much like controlling you know, Link and Zelda, you're, you're, you're running around, you're slashing the sword, you're picking up items, uh, you're interacting with things. But when you are playing as the reader and you're interacting with large objects to help Quill in her environment, it, uh, it, it is very much like a one-to-one experience of you moving your, your hand to the object, grabbing it and, and, and moving it or pulling it. Sometimes there's, uh, like swinging platforms in the second one, there was swinging platforms that you had to like grab onto, move to one side of the environment and then with the other hand move quill onto the the platform and then move the platform over and you have direct control with these touch controllers in real space right Mm -hmm. um that would be tough to translate to uh like just a like a non-motion controller i was gonna say yeah i'm i'm picturing basically joy cons (laughs) you could yeah i mean honestly you you could do that with joy cons i feel like this game could be ported to the switch using um the 3d motion that you you have seen with with uh with joy cons it it would be fairly accurate um i mean that being said like it's it's one of those experiences you're right like it it, does it need to be experienced in vr like yeah technically because that's the only place it's available but like (laughs) could you port it to the switch yeah absolutely you could probably move it to the switch and and uh find a way to adjust those controllers but you would likely lose the sort of the one piece that does come in with moving the camera around. So as it's head track, so as you're moving your head, the camera's moving around. And like I said, they're dioramas. So sometimes, like a Zelda game, there are collectibles in there. And sometimes those collectibles are sort of hidden, um, you know, behind an object or hidden in a certain pathway that you can, okay, I can see it there behind that brick wall. But like, I don't see a way to get to it. And that's where you're encouraged to kind of like move your body around and say, look, okay, like, and you can kind of look in behind crevices and and peek in, you know, around corners and stuff with, as you're controlling the camera, again, could you map that to the right control stick? Probably. Would it be as interesting or engaging? Probably not. But again, you could, you could do that if, if you really, if the developer really wanted to, I suppose. Um, as far as I know, there hasn't been any talk about porting it to, uh, like a traditional platform, like a PC. It's just such a cute little like character design. Like I want to play with the mouse. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't own VR stuff. (laughs) No. And, and that is the struggle, right? Like with all VR, you're essentially buying a new platform, you know? Um, yeah, you really are. It's, it's tough. Like it's a tough sell. And, and I mean, I know the meta quest to headsets, they just went up in price. So again, us having this conversation now as opposed to two weeks ago, it's like, well, it's even a, it's an even harder sell because they've gone up about, I think, 150 bucks Canadian. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And they weren't cheap before. This was a news story that Meta was basically like, yeah, we're increasing the prices on our headset in, in two weeks. And here are the here are the reasons. I mean, 
we were talking about it, Dustin and I, and it's like, has there ever been a platform holder that's increased the price of a of a, a device that's two years old? You know, it's not it's not the norm. It's not normally done. Yeah. No. And I feel like um, we have seen a lot of shortages, though, in electronics over the last couple of years. So I'm not necessarily surprised and <laughs> not to not even just that. But I mean, obviously, we're not going to go into all of the economic issues plaguing the world right now. But the cost of everything is going up. Inflation is crazy. And uh, yeah, so in general, things are more expensive. Yeah. It makes sense, but it's weird. <laughs> well, usually what a company would do is, uh, you know, discontinue the old product and release a new yeah, version. Yeah, come out and, with the new hotness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, Meta will be doing by the end of the year, they've said. it's. It was even in the article about increasing the price. Like, hey, our new next generation headset, it, we want to launch it before the end of 2010. 2022 and it's going to compete with what apple's doing and it's going to be priced probably in towards a thousand dollars so it will be a very expensive headset um so it seems weird to i guess they do still want to offer like that lower priced model but it's not going to be as low as it's not as low as it was (laughs) two weeks ago Yeah. yeah um but that being said like i think if you have a vr headset and you're looking for more experiences. Um, Moss was a big one at launch on the PSVR and Steam and, and Oculus as well. And it and it was kind of one of those first VR games that really hit it out of the park and became like that killer experience. Like, you know, similar to Beat Saber, which was another one early on that was like, okay, if you're buying a headset, this is the this is the game to buy. Um, and I think Moss kind of jumped on that list as well. And but like I said, like VR games are usually shorter experiences. They're usually priced around the thirty five to forty five dollar range at launch. And um, their experience, you know, is are usually shorter. But again, that goes in line with most folks can't stay in VR for longer than a couple hours at a time. Yeah, so it ends up being, even though it's uh, maybe total hours is shorter, it's, you know, like just as many play sessions and you wouldn't want a play session to to last eight hours or anything like that. You can't do that in VR a lot of times. So, um, yeah, so but overall, it's it's definitely goes on the list of thumbs up. If you have VR, give it a look. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that uh, I, I think. In terms of a total experience, I I think you definitely want to play book one first and then play book two. But again, if you really wanted to, you could skip book one, move right into book two. I think book two has uh, more interesting power ups, although although they do the weird thing where uh, they basically strip you of all your powers between the the games. Yeah, Um, (laughs) which, you know, not as jarring in Zelda or Metroid because it's like usually it's you're waiting years between releases, whereas this is a direct, like literally takes place the second after right the boss after, fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it is a bit jarring. Um, I guess you just, you know, the final boss hits you in a weird way and it's like, Oh, I, I dropped all my stuff down this clearly, uh, cleverly p- positioned, uh, hole in the ground and now they're all gone and I gotta go collect them all again. Um, so there is that, but I I found that the power ups were more interesting in book two. They they played a lot more into the environmental puzzles, um, and they have I think just mechanically more fun 
uh, with the puzzles in in the second game. So again, like if mm-hmm. you were looking at the two of them, uh, there might even be a deal for buying them as a bundle. You could you could probably skip over one, but I I really did enjoy both experiences, and and they do they do play well together. Like I basically went right from one to two, and and um, it felt like a complete experience. So I would I would recommend getting them. But if you wanted to save a couple bucks, you could probably pick up book one on Steam and explore all the fun options of uh, you know the meta quest two has come a long way in terms of being able to. Um, I actually played wirelessly. I had the game running on my computer and through the Oculus app, you can actually connect your headset to your computer and play what would normally be a uh, linked experience, like through a cable. You can just wirelessly stream it to your headset. And it was it was kind of I couldn't tell the difference. Um, Mm. So it's come a long way. The technology in terms of like access to games, you don't just have to buy them on the Quest store. You can pick them up on Steam, and and I'm not going to say that the technical hurdles of setting all the Oculus Air Link stuff up is is going to be, you know, it's just it 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 might not just work, but I found like it was just a couple steps with a little bit of troubleshooting, and it worked quite well. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you have the headset, um, it's certainly worth looking at Moss Book Two or Moss the Complete Book. I don't know what you call them, <laughs> you know, the encyclopedia, <laughs> all the volumes, basically yeah. Moss, all the books, you know, I, I think they're both really great. And again, they're bite-sized experiences. So you can, you know, you can play it in, you know, four or five sessions and, and feel like you're, you're not going to stick to your stomach for me anyways. Like I, I, I dabble with a bunch of games, you know, and just as I was testing things out and honestly, like I, I never felt sick when I was playing this one, whereas playing some other titles like Half-Life Alex and uh, I even played Thumper as well. And by the end of it, I just like, oh, I got this like weird feeling in my stomach. I need to get get up and walk around without a headset strapped to my head. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I, I do recommend it for sure. If, if you've got the hardware, definitely check out Moss. Very, very cool. Um, and yeah, so I mean, OK, obviously, this is my first week back, obviously. Mm. Um you guys know what I played, right? Like <laughs> I have had kind of minimal time since we got back, but um, people, it, it's so funny because uh, obviously when um, this game came out, it must have popped up in people's um, like available now or recommended or friends have this on your wish list or whatever. I got messages in Steam. I got messages on Twitter. I got messages in my discords being like, um, is this a real thing? Joss, have you played this? What's going on with this? And of course, it is the Dead by Daylight dating sim hooked on you. Uh, so I have played it now. Um, I haven't played too much of it. I've uh, I've gone through... So, okay, I want to preface this whole conversation with the fact that I do not play dating sims. So the only other game that I've played in this kind of realm wheelhouse is uh boyfriend dungeon that we played actually i I guess that was around this time last year i feel like it was kind of a summer game um boyfriend dungeon is much better not to say dbd uh hooked on you is bad but um it's not the game for me (laughs) like i don't play a lot of these like conversation simulation games where that's the only thing you do there's no voiceover it's a lot of reading 
um, in order to, you know, like it, it is one of those like branching path, like choose the right option kind of things, which means there's a lot of different conversations to have. There's a lot of different content to experience, but you have to go through unless there's some skip mechanic that I'm missing. I've basically like started a new game every time and had to go through all of the same uh, the same stuff again, right? So I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, 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 click, 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 blah, 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 whatever. I get it as they do all the setup and everything else. There is a way to like, you basically like push and hold the little button in the corner and it's like a fast forward button. But then it's like, if you make some different choices that you didn't make the first time around, you might skip a, like um, um, a, a line of conversation and there's no back button. So you just have to be really careful with your fast forwarding. And like, I get that they don't want you to be able to just like get to the choices super easily with no consequences and just make different choices. Cause then like the, the conversation is the game and I get that, but, um, yeah, I, I found I, so I've done, um, two and a half playthroughs. I did. So first of all, I didn't realize there were only so. Okay, let's start with the premise. The premise is you are somehow mysteriously stranded on this desert island resort that very quickly you realize is like a reality dating TV show. (laughs) And you are the contestant who has to choose between uh, or you have to choose one of the four killers and uh so there is the huntress the trapper the wraith and the spirit uh one thing i do really enjoy is that they have incorporated the lore of dead by daylight in really cool ways so like you kind of get the killer's backstory in hooked on you which is like established canon lore in dead by daylight and so I thought that was really cool. It was like, um, because in some cases, like, I mean, I love Dead by Daylight. I love that the killers have backstory. I've never read it. <laughs> like, I don't really care. <laughs> the reason that I play, like, I play with friends. It's very much for the PvP multiplayer. You know, I, I love that they have a grander universe that they're building. But, like, yeah, I I have not... um delved into the lore of Dead by Daylight. So having it presented to me through Hooked on You actually made me go, oh, these are really interesting characters. And like, maybe I should pay attention to the lore in DVD, which is not a reaction I thought I was going to have out of a dating sim. I'll be honest. (laughs) Right. So this is one that was announced uh, a few months ago, and it's by the... um... KFC dating sim folks as well, right? Same developer. Yeah, the I love you Colonel Sanders or whatever, um, which so they they obviously have a history of development that involves taking non-traditional love interests and creating kind of tongue-in-cheek games out of it. Now, again, I've never played the Colonel Sanders game because I don't play dating sims, but um, the one thing I have noticed about hooked on you is that there are a lot of references to dbd there's a lot of like tongue-in-cheek easter egg uh gamer talk kind of stuff and kind of breaking the fourth wall which was cool at first but got really kind of repetitive and i began to wish that it wasn't in there 
because like I get that it's supposed to be goofy and I get that it's supposed to be tongue in cheek, but like also you're supposed to be a dating sim. So maybe lean into that a little bit more. Like it felt like as soon as I was starting to have any kind of interesting or meaningful conversation with any of the characters, it got interrupted by... Um, so two survivors, Claudette and Dwight, are acting as your uh, involuntary, like, kind of like, not necessarily tour guides, but like resort host people <laughs> that are like, here's your schedule of things you have to do today and blah, 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 whatever. Um, and like, there's obviously, so like I said, I've played through two and a half times now. I've managed to successfully romance one character. I managed to get friend zoned by another character. Uh, those were my two results so far. Uh, I don't want to say like who or anything like that because I don't want to spoil anything because there are some really interesting kind of stories and, and things to do. Um, but there is some sort of like sinister island larger plot going on outside of just the dating stuff. And so I have a feeling you can do playthroughs and romance each of the four different characters and or or like I'm not really sure if you can do it at the same time or if it's like a, a mini game within the dating sim. But like there's a larger story going on, I guess. Um, and so far in my playthroughs, I've kind of ignored it because I wanted to to focus on like seeing all the different conversations and stuff that I could have by romancing the different killers. Although uh, I think I'm being very, very unsuccessful. It's like reminiscent of my actual dating life. Like I'm really bad at it. And I say the wrong thing all the time. <laughs> and it kind of has that problem of like, was it Mass Effect that we played? I'm trying to remember. Uh, it was one of those type of games anyways that had like big long conversations where the text on the screen didn't really convey the the dialogue that happened when you chose it. Do you know what I mean? Like it would say like, have a nice day. And then you would end up saying like, you're a terrible person and I hate you, but I hope you have a nice day. And it's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> it's, it gives me vibes like that all the time in this game. <laughs> I really feel like early, not, I wouldn't say early Bioware games, but like around the Mass Effect release, um, before they added like sort of the icons that would represent the tone of the message you were going to be responding with, I think they got closer to uh, that. But yeah, I find like with narrative choice based games, sometimes it, it can be the pairing between your choice of dialogue and the actual dialogue that's spoken can be disconnected or at least like you're not thinking what the developer was thinking when they were writing the script. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is unfortunate, but I, I feel like it's almost, I can't tell if it's, um, yeah, if it's, if it's a person to person type problem. And I know, I know you and I have both experienced it on the same game before, uh, or if it is just, you know, I, I the solution is literally to tell you exactly what the, the character is going to say when you, when you make that choice. But I know that can be, can get convoluted if it's a, a mm -hmm. long piece of text, but, uh, well, yeah. And so that's the thing, like in some cases, like they give you a yes or no option. And then it's like, you say yes or no, but then you give some reason that is not the actual reason, I guess. Like, I don't know. It just, sometimes the descriptors are very short and then the conversation, like you say, is very long. And 
it's uh, so it kind of puts you in some like forced awkward positions, I guess, or like, you know, they give you yes and no options, but what you would really say or do in any given real situation is somewhere in the middle, you know, like, or you would want to ask more questions or like, you know, get more information before you commit to a yes or no of a, of whatever thing. So yeah, but uh, I will say though, um, after, <laughs> okay. <laughs> after successfully romancing a killer uh, there is some like as as risque as they can get away with without getting like a, an adults only <laughs> rating on steam uh like artwork <laughs> of the characters <laughs> right i mean that was probably you know the finishing question people were going to ask is yes know, uh, is exactly is uh, is so how much how much uh how much uh, is in the dating sim um yeah basically <laughs> none <laughs> oh well i mean uh i mean yeah which is a complaint so again, oh, I don't play these. I don't play these kind of games at all. And like, there's, a, I I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything. But there is one point where the game literally says to you, "No, that's clearly the wrong choice, and you're going to horny jail or something." And I'm like, ah, okay, <laughs> and like, and I and I get it, but because again, they're leaning into this like tongue in cheek kind of making fun of the genre, sort of a, of an idea but like if you're playing it for a dating sim you're probably playing the wrong game like there there really isn't it's more like a conversation sim i would say like a a self-referential easter egg like if you play dead by daylight there's a lot of stuff in here for you um in terms of like references to the game and stuff but like the actual gameplay of the dating sim isn't great if that's the kind of game that you're looking for like i wouldn't necessarily recommend this to somebody who likes those romance type of games you know like i wouldn't say like there's nothing in here that's like really and truly romantic at all and like i say as soon as you start to get into conversations where you feel like you might maybe start to get to know a character a little bit more you get pulled out by Claudette and Dwight and you and it moves the kind of story along. So there's not a lot of depth here. That's what I'll call it. There's not a lot of depth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th this is a, uh, you know, I don't want to sort of equate the depth of a game to the cost of the game, but it, it appears to be priced at like a. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a 10. It's a $10 game. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not free, but it's almost free. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's on the lower side of it. And I, I mean, I think that. The idea here being like this is a sort of like a tongue in cheek companion type game. It's like it's like a love letter to DVD fans. Honestly, it's like they did a survey of like a player survey and a dating sim was right up there in a thing that people wanted. And this is them saying like, OK, you wanted it fine here, you know, mm -hmm. have this. It's like I say, it's not made for people who are fans of dating sims. It's made for people who are fans of Dead by Daylight. Right. And like, it's just it's a thing that the devs did to to make people smile. And there's a lot of Easter eggs in here. There's actually one um, one where there's like a radio and you can um, if you like hit the right order of channels or something, you can actually hear there's like uh, one of the developers. There's like an actual thank you message to the fans 
like for playing this stupid game. <laughs> and he's like, you know, we love Dead by Daylight just as much as you. Like, thanks so much. Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, we hope you guys like this. And it's this like Easter egg you can unlock through the radio. Like there's there's a lot of stuff like that. It's a love letter to the fans. That's what it is. OK. Well, yeah. Hey, you know what? It, I mean, uh, I've, I honestly haven't played a lot of dating sims. I think like I think like you boyfriend dungeon is probably uh it it felt like a similar experience where boyfriend dungeon was um it was like a cross between uh two genres a dating sim mm-hmm. and like an action dungeon crawler and this doesn't seem like it's not necessarily a a, a you know a two genres smashed together it's more just as you said like it's a it's a game meant for fans of dead by daylight that wanted to see well see more of the characters but not too much more of the characters (laughs) yeah you don't get to see too much more of the characters (laughs) right but you do get to explore their backstories and and learn a bit more so that's interesting yeah yeah like i say it, it it is kind of interesting and it is interesting to people who are already familiar with dead by daylight i think um and and it is a cheaper experience. It's probably a shorter experience, but it's basically like it's it's a, just a dating sim. So if we're talking about boyfriend dungeon, like you say, that was a mashup of two genres. There's no second part. Like there's no other gameplay. It's just conversations. That's it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's fine. It is what it is. And people who like DBD will like that. So. Go check it out again. It's it's a ten dollar game. If you've ever played Dead by Daylight or if you like dating sims, like maybe give it a shot. I don't want to necessarily turn people away from it. Like I was playing it and I was like, oh my god, there's so much reading. <laughs> oh, it's not voiced. I, no, no, it's okay. not voiced. No, it's all all text, all text. Oh. Yeah. Uh, hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, here's the thing. I would. I think the one of the best parts of boyfriend dungeon, especially with the cutscenes or the visual novel back and forth was the voiced, um, scenes, right? Like they did a really good job with that. So it is, uh, rather unfortunate to hear that this one does not have a voiceover. Cause like all the characters, I mean, in dead by daylight, there, there are voices, uh, to the characters. They do have distinct sounds. Uh, kind of, I mean, they have distinct grunts, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, like I, yeah. there aren't uh, other than like, so a lot of the licensed characters and especially a lot of the newer licensed characters have voice lines like uh, we're going to talk in just a couple of minutes about some DVD announcements, including uh, Resident Evil chapter and the new killer has a voice line. So did Pyramid Head or not Pyramid Head, um, Pinhead. And uh, I feel like there was like three or four of them that have like actual voice lines and and a voice actor. And then the rest of them are just like they have like sounds when they get hit by pallets or, you know, when they're when they're lunging and stuff like that. They have voices, (laughs) but they don't talk. (laughs) So, yeah, Hmm. I mean, they could have voiced the character. Sure. But uh, I don't know. I I would have liked to be read to i don't know is that weird (laughs) like i would have liked voice acting but yeah no there's no voice acting it's all yeah no it's all reading (laughs) that that i mean i don't mind reading in my video games uh i just yeah like i feel like uh it's nice when you know more story stuff is is voice acted like this being a very story-based game it's nice when when that stuff is voice acted and you know not all of it needs to be uh but you know a good portion of it is is a nice touch so but again like it is a a budget title 
like it's a, a lower price title so maybe that factors in as well so um but yeah i did not really i the the trailer was made it appear as though it was uh voiced as well because it just i i think the killers were talking to you in the trailer or at least ma- they were making more than grunts <laughs> i don't know yeah sorry to to let you down there ryan but yeah <laughs> You'll have to let me know if you do give it a try. I'm, I'm interested to know what a what a, somebody on like outside of the DVD fandom thinks of this because yeah. I feel like my my opinion's probably a little bit skewed just because I'm interested in the universe. Period. I'm sure a lot of people who aren't um, probably bounced off this pretty hard, but yeah, let me know if you do ever give it a try. And and guys, you can obviously hit us up in the Discord again. That is Bitly slash TGI Discord if you want to join the conversation. If anyone else has played. <laughs> hooked on you please let me know um because i i would really like to know if i can you know romance characters while still figuring out the grander story because so far it seems like maybe not but who knows who knows you guys will have to tell me i wanted to say a very quick thank you to our august patrons matthew w and tyson thank you so much for supporting the show if you want your name here you can also head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support what ryan and i are up to reminder our next tgi game club is starting on sunday august 14th so if you want to play along with pyre then uh, do so and again join the conversation in bit.ly slash tgi discord that brings us to the news this week uh <laughs> I can't believe you didn't mention this off the top, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Sonic's getting another movie and it's coming December 20th, 2024. Yeah. Why? (laughs) I'm kidding. Obviously, I know why. They're wildly successful and I'm just a curmudgeon about it. (laughs) No, I mean, I I wanted you to read it out. That's why I put it at the top of the the news here. And I don't have any fun thing planned. And I know like me saying, oh, I don't have anything fun planned. It would have been the perfect time to unleash some sort of audio <laughs> clip. Some sort of clips from the, yeah, from the trailer or something. Honestly, I am shocked. And also, I'm pretty sure the last time you did that, you promised me that we would never have to talk about Sonic on this show again. So wow. promise broken, friendship over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the promise was uh, I, we won't talk about it until the next one's announced in which we will. It, like every six months, I feel like that's where we're at. So, you know, the six <sighs> months happened. Um, <laughs> this movie doesn't come out until uh, 2024, in which I think we'll be able to talk about the Knuckles series in another six months. Oh, my God. Um, Why is should, there so uh, much? <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Um, they, I think they pretty much announced the third one as soon as the second one hit theaters. It's the top grossing video game movie of all time. Uh, Sonic, you know, I've talked about this before. Sonic is is big outside of video games, unlike other video game characters, which struggle to sort of break out of um, their, well, video game uh, origins. And I think Sonic's done a really great job of having maybe not the greatest content. Uh, some would argue not great content at all, but uh, <laughs> they've had, you know, they've, they've done well with, you know, movies, TV shows, comics, toys, all that stuff, merchandise. And I think there, he's one of the few characters that has really branched out successfully, even if the content isn't Oscar worthy. But I mean, no one anticipated a Sonic movie no. <laughs> uh, being Oscar worthy and no news attached to this. There was a GIF, which I'm pretty sure is reused from Sonic 2, which does feature, you know, uh, Sonic, Tails and Knuckles, who 
you know, spoiler alert, form a team at the end of Sonic 2. I don't know if I have to spoil that. That's in the video games as well. And, you know, uh, but no word on whether Robotnik will be returning because I know Jim Carrey has basically said he's retired. So like retired from Sonic or like retired from movies, movies. I guess he's retired from acting, he said. Now, that being said, you know, I I don't know what that means. Jim Carrey has said a lot of things and uh, uh, yeah, I I know he's he's stepped away from acting before, but I I know he's uh, just based on what I've read. He's really enjoyed playing Robotnik, but also the movie the team behind the movie have said like, you know, we're not recasting Robotnik. Like we'll, we either get Jim Carrey back or Robotnik doesn't come back. I think Robotnik is, he, he's not critical to the film's success. I'll say that like, but I don't, I don't know what is critical to the success at this point. I feel like they'll make these until they do start to dip, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like they do really well. It's weird. I, yeah, I, I know that I am in the minority for sure when it comes to not liking the Sonic movies. I just well, and I shouldn't even say movies. I should just say movie because I didn't watch the second one. So, yeah, but I know it, it appeals to something and that is fine. I'm not going to yuck your yum. <laughs> There's also a live action <laughs> Pac-Man movie in the works. And uh, man, I don't know. I like I OK, I am extremely happy that video game movies are doing well, are no longer terrible, and are appealing to wide audiences. But Pac-Man? <laughs> like, okay, what, what are we even talking about here? Like, uh, uh, I mean, does he fight the ghosts? Is that how this works? Like, how do you live action Pac-Man? <laughs> well, um... There's a lot of, uh, you know, this shouldn't surprise you that I know a little bit about Pac-Man and his adventures outside of the arcades. Uh, So, like, there's a Netflix series or there's the the TV series on Netflix and the kids started watching it. So I was, like, watching it with them a little bit. There's a Pac-Man TV series? Oh, yeah. It's it's terrible. So if I say it's (laughs) terrible, then... You gotta know. You know it's, it's gotta be really bad. <laughs> it's really bad, and like essentially, Pac-Man is like part of this like pack team that fights the ghosts who are bad, but the ghosts don't always show up. Sometimes they're just fighting. I don't know. It's really, it's really <laughs> difficult. I, I, it's hard to follow. But like, Pac-Man's the good guy. The ghosts are in there in some capacity. There's like a Professor Pack or Pack Professor. I can't remember which comes first, but. He sort of like provides all their tech to fight, fight the ghosts. Um, and anyways, like this movie, live action movie that they're working on. I mean, everything's going to be adapted. I think like this is the thing you you see what Sonic is doing and what they've done with with their franchise. And and funny enough, like I guess someone on the team for Sonic the Hedgehog is involved with with bringing this project over. There are so many video game properties. Uh, you know, Sony is doing a lot of their big properties and building them into TV shows and movies and such. But there's so many properties out there that like, why why would Pac-Man be your go-to? Like, I, I just, it, it could come down to the fact that Pac-Man does have some established non-video game successes. Uh, like, I think the TV shows have done well enough and, and they've found a... a a second following on streaming platforms with Netflix sort of having the rights to, to have those streamable um, for, for their, for their, for their audiences. But like, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. Um, 
but live action live action just seems like an odd choice i mean given the world of pac-man given i don't know like he's he's a circle (laughs) (laughs) i mean he is but he's a circle with a heart yeah i don't know i just i guess we'll have to see i guess we'll have to see uh, and then we uh, we did have some announcements coming out of Behavior. Um, I talked a little bit about the new Dead by Daylight chapter. It is Resident Evil based. The uh, PTB actually, which is the um, public test build, went up today. And the new killer is uh, Albert Wesker, I guess. So um, I don't know a lot about... Um, Resident Evil lore. That's it. I'm going to lean on you real hard here. <laughs> but um, he, I guess he's also in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it is this, it's the same character. Okay. Yeah. So Albert the, Wesker. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's the main antagonist uh, alongside Umbrella in the first five games. Okay. Um, as well as the, yeah, they, they adapt uh, the character into the new Netflix series. And he was present in the movies as well. And I mean, he's kind of a cartoon character in most of the adaptations and the video games where he is like the the mustache twirling bad guy, essentially. Mm. And but he's not um, at least early on in the games. He's not like a monster. Right. So when you when I look at this, uh, uh, them adapting him into a killer, like essentially in the first couple games, he's just a dude. He's just a bad dude with a gun. Right. But he eventually Mm. does you know, become infected with the T-virus and turn into more of a monster in the later games. So, and I, I mean, it looks like he's got a bit of a goop uh, arm going goop on arm, here. Yep, <laughs> he does have a, a tentacly goop arm. Uh, and so is this the same character in the Resident Evil movie that we just watched recently? And so he like injected himself to like not let them get away or something. I'm I'm very much blanking on the the movie, but but he was the the like umbrella character who like went to Raccoon City, right? Uh, so I think in so in the movie that was the one that's based in the '90s, um, he is part of Stars, uh, but he's like he's being fed information by umbrella and he's kind of their inside guy. And I think, you know, spoiler alert for that movie. Uh, he, he does appear to be the bad guy. And at the end of the film, they, he dies, but they revive him with the T virus and it's played by the actor who plays, uh, Luther in, uh, umbrella Academy. Um, right. Right. Dude. So there was, there was a guy who like injected himself with something and got all big and hulked out and like no. chased them. Yeah. That was, um, that was the doctor. uh, Okay, so the doctor character that I'm thinking of who was played by that actor who, like, I have no idea what his name is, but you know him when you see him. That guy. (laughs) I am being so descriptive, and this is just... I'm sorry. Okay, so that is not Wesker. So Wesker is a totally different character and is not in the movie. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. Now I know the the guy who played the doctor, and it's McDonough, Neil McDonough, right? Okay, there you go. That's not Albert Wesker. (laughs) Albert Wesker is kind of like, again, like a cartoon character in that that uh, the the latest movie. But he there he does show promise at the end of the film where he appears to be um, appears to be in the, if they do make a sequel, which I, I don't know if they will. But if they do a sequel, 
they give him sunglasses at the end and it's basically like, you're the bad guy now. And he's like, ah, these sunglasses, they <laughs> the do sunglasses, nothing. sunglasses, no, why? <laughs> they do nothing to protect my eyes. So that's basically the end of that movie. Uh, so sorry about that. But yeah, Albert Wesker is much cooler in many other Resident Evil adaptations, including the games and uh, including that Netflix series. But uh, it looks like they're doing the cool Albert Wesker here too, where he's going to be... Um, a pretty uh, a pretty rad adaptation for Dead by Daylight, but um, the survivors they're bringing over Rebecca Chambers and Ada Wong. So Rebecca Chambers is a character. She I think she shows up in Resident Evil One, but her primary uh, she you can she's a playable character in Resident Evil Zero, where she is one of two playable characters in that game, which was a, a GameCube exclusive, I think. Um, but it kind of came out after Resident Evil 1 was was remade for the GameCube. Um, I don't believe she showed up anywhere else, but that's where she's known from. A bit from Resident Evil 1, she shows up. She's part of the Bravo team or uh, the team that shows up before the main characters. Uh, but Ada Wong is a big character. She She's present in 2, uh, 4, and shows up a bunch outside of that. She's sort of like, she's like a spy character that I think is working for Umbrella uh but maybe also playing both sides like she's she's like the anti-hero i think in the game you know okay yeah so uh she's cool so good choices overall then from the franchise because i know a lot of people were very upset that lady d was not going to be added as a killer (laughs) yeah I, i mean here's the thing i think if you look at the bad guys in resident evil Albert Wesker has put in the time, right? Like he's been the bad guy for five or six of the eight games. Yeah. Um, That being said, I think Lady D would have been a cool uh, inclusion uh, into the game, but it's uh, it's a tough sell. Like, I mean, you and I both know, uh, having watched playthroughs of Resident Evil Village, um, she plays a very small part in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, She's not around for very long, but she played a big part in the marketing. Yeah, I feel like the thing about her is that even people who didn't play Village, even people that don't know a lot about Resident Evil know her, right? Because, like you say, she was so central to the marketing. She was huge, you know, on social media. She was a choice for a lot of cosplayers. She was a choice for a lot of fan art shall we say uh so yeah like she she is very central to kind of the the wider knowledge of that game i will say even though she played a smaller part in the game itself um i would say she's the character everyone associates with current resident evil um and so i think that's why a lot of people thought that you know she would be a good choice like she would be someone that people would want to play and play against but um i have watched i did watch some streams of the ptb today and uh it looks really cool um from an actual like mechanical dvd standpoint i don't know how powerful the character he's going to be but um he seemed to be really interesting and and like he's going to be a little bit complicated to play which i i think some of the best killers are so uh, we'll have to see all, how all of that plays out. But um, they also, uh, Behavior did, uh, that is the the company behind Dead by Daylight, has announced a new game. Uh, Meet Your Maker is the next game. And it sounds kind of interesting. So it's an asymmetrical PvP game, except that like 
you don't play against other players like a shooter. You essentially build a structure. That's one half of the game. And the other half of the game is raiding people's structures. So you have um, a building component where you create a structure, you lay traps, and, and it's almost like a tower defense, it sounds like. And then the other side is like a shooter where you go to raid people's towers and and navigate your way through the traps and enemies and stuff that they've laid out for you. And then you get to see as a builder, you get to see people's attempts running through your tower and you can then modify it and kind of put it out there again. Um, so I think it's, it's an interesting concept, the an asymmetrical game where you can, again, very behavior-like, you can choose one of two very different sides, very similar to Killers and Survivors in Dead by Daylight. You could be a builder or a raider in Meet Your Maker. Hmm. Yeah, it looks really interesting. And you know what? The design of the monsters kind of reminds me of like Killing Floor. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I mean, I like the idea of it being like an asymmetrical experience where you're building your tower and building this maze of essentially death to try to stop uh, people from from raiding your tower. And it's almost like you get to be a video game level designer. Yeah. And, you know, just based on the trailer that they launched with, like, it looks like they've got some really cool uh, abilities. It kind of looks like a mix between um, there was a game called uh, Orcs Must Die. They've made a few of them. Yes. And it kind of reminds me of that in terms of like, you're you're building the whole thing, the maze, the traps, everything. And then um, but the difference being here is like when you raid a, a tower, you are you're in control of your central character trying to get through. Um, and the shooting looks really cool. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Doom reboots they did with mm. uh, with Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. So uh, it looks really cool. And yeah, they, they say here you can sign up for the beta. It looks like they'll be starting play tests uh, this month, August 23rd. That's crazy. So that's crazy soon. Mm hmm. It looks it looks really interesting. You're right. It does bring Doom to mind for sure. And I just I just love the concept of like how many different ways can I kill you? <laughs> and like it also brings to mind my favorite way to play DBD when I play killer, which is like I very much try to keep the survivor experience in mind. It's almost like you're a, a D&D, you know, a dungeon master or something, you know, like you are in control of the game and creating the experience for the people running through it. And that theme, again, um, which is very Dead by Daylight, very behavior-y, uh, comes through in Meet Your Maker, I think. Because as the you are, like I said, the level designer, you are the tower creator, and you get to make the level for other people to play. Almost like um, Mario Maker, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was very much like this, where like you got to create a level and, and you were basically trying to kill people. And uh, what's really interesting is like, I wonder if there's going to be a component of like, you have to clear your own tower before you can, you know, put it out there. <laughs> like you can't make it totally impossible. Because that was the thing with Mario Maker levels, right? Like you had to be able to beat it before you put it out into the like online for people to try, right? Yeah, yeah, you could do that with with Mario Maker. And, and I think it worked, you had to be able to beat your level. And I, I don't know yeah. if they'll have that in place here with uh, with... 
I, I assume you'll have to play test it in some fashion. Well, because otherwise you just make a box and put the goal inside it and be True. like, ha, <laughs> there are no doors. You can never win. Success. <laughs> that was always a great way of, of testing it with Mario Maker because it was like you could build the most devious, painful level ever. But if you couldn't finish it, you obviously couldn't post it. Um, yeah. But if you could finish it and you knew like sort of the mechanics and the secrets and and you could sort of test the patience of of uh, the other players. And um, I do. I, yeah, I never even thought about Mario Maker, but you're absolutely right. This is like Killing Floor meets Mario Maker meets Doom meets uh orcs must die it's it looks like you can place both traps and like enemy monsters for yeah for traps and monsters and i assume that there's some sort of like budget right like whether yeah. it's a currency or a power level or something like you can't just place 10 boss monsters in a room and again be like haha you win or just try to win um, but yeah, and I also love this, uh, this hero gamer article, uh, behavior ensures that moderation will be in place to, uh, ensure nothing untoward is built. We know people are going to try to build dicks. I'm really curious to know how quickly they'll be able to remove all the dicks. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's a weird thing. Like it looks like it, it looks like it like. So is this a free to play game or is this something you'll buy? Like you mentioned currency in terms of like how like you, you can't just build the craziest tower ever. I assume they're going to like attach this to. Yeah, I mean, they would something. have to. Right. They'd have to put some sort of restriction on it, whether it's materials or a currency or a like power uh, like you can have a hundred total power and then each trap and each enemy adds to that power total in some way. Um, like they have to have some aspect of balance, I would think. Um, but yeah, the, I don't think that they say, um, they just basically say it's intended to be another long-term project, which to me means it's another game as a service, right? They're in, it going to be, putting out probably more new monsters, more materials, more traps, more, 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 right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think that they actually say, they just say it's going to be released on Steam, but I don't see a price attached to it. Yeah, I don't I don't see whether they, they're talking about it being free. To, obviously, Dead by Daylight is a, you purchase the game, it's supported by DLC, free updates, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but it's, it seems like may, maybe part of it is like the thing you're stealing. So you're going into a tower to, to steal. I don't know what they call it here. They probably have made up name, but, uh, there's something that you have to go and get, and then you have to get it and get out again. Right. So, yeah. So I assume those that will play into the resource system and the more, the better you are at rating, the, the more you'll be able to build and. And you'll probably get rewards for for having successful defenses and and stuff like that. So like, there's a lot of options here. Uh, I think just what was shown was more of like the gameplay of building and raiding. But um, yeah, just even the screenshots like crazy. Yeah, and looking at yeah, like you say, looking at screenshots, like there are. Uh, let's see there. Yeah. So, okay. In the top right corner of one of the screenshots, it says used. And then it says 17, like 65 or something out of 3000. So there is some sort of budget, um, in terms of what you can build, which makes sense. Um, 
But yeah, there's uh, there does seem to be a lot here. There's no price on the Steam page. Um, there's just the sign up for the closed play test and the ability to put it on your wish list. Um, so, I mean, maybe it will be free to play. I don't know. Um, I hope it's not pay to win in any kind of way, which always worries me, right? When there's, you know, potentially free to play and also upgrades. It's like, hmm, okay. But uh, how are you going to balance that? Question mark. Like, unless I'm just totally missing a price tag, but I don't see a price tag anywhere. No, I don't, I don't see it either. And I, I think, like, either way, if this is a long-term project, I I mean, Dead by Daylight always worked so well because you were you were buying stuff to add on to the experience, but it could never it never limited people to uh, to to queuing up with those other paid pieces. Yeah, it was always co- it's all DVD stuff is cosmetic only. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you also are buying killers and, and uh, additional survivors. Yes, yeah, and stuff. that's fair. Yeah, but that's fair. I, I feel like in Meet Your Maker, like it. it you you have you would have to add like the additional pieces like the materials like the traps and stuff i would feel like you'd have to add that in free updates because then you'd uh, all of a sudden yeah you're right it'd be pay to win like i can buy this super cool auto reloading harpoon gun for the wall but you can't get it unless you pay 9.99 like that that doesn't seem like something that well but then again in dead by daylight you can buy a killer that is likely better than a, a built-in killer, right? Like it's all about balance yeah. too. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. There's still, so monetization questions as I feel like there are for, for basically everything. And uh, actually that totally reminds me of something that we don't really have time for tonight, but um, I have been also, like I say, playing Marvel snap and that was a uh, huge, it's not even in the news. So I'm totally springing you this on you out of nowhere. And I don't even know if you guys talked about it in the past couple of weeks, but they got huge flack while I was away for uh, their Nexus events. I don't, did you guys talk about this at all? We did not, but I did see okay. the uproar. Yeah. I didn't really understand yeah. it, but uh, it was, the pushback was so bad and the articles were scathing and I don't blame them because they were talking about having Nexus events every two weeks. So um, you had to essentially, someone did the math and you had to pay about $450 American every two weeks in order to, uh, to get everything. Now, the things that you would get out of the, it was just basically loot boxes. Um, the things that you could get out of those loot boxes, like you were guaranteed, you had to buy 200 because every 50, you had the guarantee of getting the super rares. Now, there were two cards. One card was exclusive to the event. I was able to get the one card that was exclusive to the event in 10 loot boxes, but I might have been extraordinarily lucky. And I I literally, I bought the loot boxes just to see because I didn't want to miss out on the the Jane Foster card, the Mighty Thor card. Um, And I I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this once. I'm just going to do 10 and I'm going to see what happens. And I did manage to get her. I already had opened, opened. I already had unlocked the Destroyer, which was the other card. Um, but yeah, like it was so, oh my God, it was such an uproar. And rightfully so, because I mean, like, $450 $450 to get everything, $900 a month to get everything out of these Nexus events. And people were like, WTF is going on. Um, there were already some questions uh, raised about just like unlocking collections in general. So uh, I really have noticed that uh, even though I have a what I think is a fairly high collection level now, I think I'm almost to $1,500. Um, 
I don't have all the cards to play all the different decks because once you get, um, there's like pools of cards. And once you get into the third pool of cards, that's like the whole rest of the collection. So you're guaranteed through pools one and two by the time you hit a certain collection level to unlock everything in it. But there's no cap on pool three. Pool three is just everything else. Um, so anytime you unlock a new card, it could be anything from the rest of the collection. So you, there's no way to craft or target cards specifically. So like Invisible Woman, I've seen some really cool decks with her, but like I could open her in 20 collection levels or another like 500 collection levels. There's really no way to know. And the developers had said that they wanted um, like an early 90s TCG feel to it where you have to kind of cobble a, a deck together and you don't always have everything exactly what you want. Uh, they didn't want people to have everything day one, which is all fine, except that you're also missing the T in TCG and Marvel Snap. You can't trade. <laughs> so the reason why those early 90s games worked is because there was like a marketplace and there were trades available, right? Like none of that is available in Snap. So there just is no way to get the cards. You just have to get lucky over time. Um, and that doesn't feel so great. So there were people talking anyways about how expensive it was. And then they launched Nexus events. And since they launched it, they've since patched it out. The uh, The backlash was so much that they have now patched those events out. Um, ben Brode put out a statement that was basically like, we're listening. We see that you hate this we'll go back to the drawing board. And so they've, they kind of rolled back that whole uh, Nexus events patch. So we'll have to see what happens there, but um, it's a really fun game, like a really fun game. The gameplay loop is super addictive and it's really too bad that they're struggling to monetize it in a way I would think that makes Disney happy, honestly. <laughs> and I say this is like no inside knowledge, but like, you've got Disney and Marvel behind you, right? Like they're going to want to get their money's worth. And the second dinner team has made such a good game that like, I'm, oh God, I I just hope that the the monetization, whatever they land on, I just hope it doesn't kill the game. I was so happy with it early on and it started to feel really bad. So not the game, the gameplay loop's still super fun. I still play it every single day. But um, man, oh man, they're basically uh, all the articles were like, they're killing it before launch <laughs> and the player base way dropped off. So it was the right choice, obviously. But man, these free to play games. I don't understand. Like, I, I think like um, having not played Marvel Snap, um, it's tough for me to understand. Like, I feel like uh, loot boxes have obviously fallen out of favor. Yeah. Uh, but with card games, it's like, how do you like it almost feels like it's it's that reaction while we're building a card game so of course like we get we get a pass when it comes to loot boxes because it's a card game exactly yeah because card games like even physical card games have always had loot boxes that's all a card pack a blind card pack is it's just a loot box um and so i think you're right like they they didn't call them loot boxes they were always card packs so they got a pass and they kind of tried to do it in snap on top of other monetization methods and people were just like, no, are you insane? And the thing is, so um, there were two cards and then two variant card art, which again, 
does not change cosmetic only doesn't change the card powering up the card and increasing its rarity doesn't change the power of it but you have to have the card and that acquisition is starting to to kind of really show as people get further and further and and raise their collection levels more and more they're really starting to notice the gaps and how hard it is to fill those gaps because um you can only get new cards out of collection reserves on your which is like basically a loot box in your progression uh those happen every 12 collection levels and i went to 100 collection levels and didn't get a card and so that was like i think eight or so um like boxes on my progression that i opened and i got currencies and stuff but no cards and i was just like oh my god like this is insane because those boxes can have um one of three kinds of currency. They can have variant card art for stuff you already have. They can have new cards for you, which is what you really want. Um, but that's like, that's five things <laughs> that it could potentially have in it, right? So it's a pretty small chance to get a new card. And uh, yeah, it just, it's starting to really feel bad and, and there's no crafting and no way to target. So we'll have to see what happens when it actually comes out. And I mean, if nothing else, I think the quick turnaround on like the negative feedback and uh, them patching it out of the game and reverting the changes, I think does show that they're listening at least, which is which is really good. They ha- it had a really quick turnaround. Like I say, it was like announced and launched and negative feedback and taken out in the time I was away. <laughs> so uh, they're they're definitely fast moving on this, which I think is good. That's good. No, that, that is very good. I, I feel like... Uh... These days, it's interesting when you compare the conversation when it comes to free to play games. Like, I think that obviously all free to play games have some sort of monetization strategy, and um, well, they have to, right? They, well, yeah, they, yeah, they have to. Otherwise, they wouldn't be free to play because no. then the developers do need to make money. <laughs> yes, and they and they likely wouldn't be around very long if they didn't have some form of monetization. But there's a difference between you see the response with Marvel snap where there was an uproar with this incident and Ben Bro to come out and say, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the drawing board. We'll figure it out in comparison to another blizzard free to play game with Diablo immortal. And the CEO is coming out like, yeah, but it's not that big a deal. You know, like the differences in $60,000. What's the problem? <laughs> Don't you all have $60,000 laying around? I'm blizzard CEO. Yeah, I think the argument there was he was saying basically like, look, like you don't have to you don't have to pay anything and you can enjoy a majority of the game until you get to the end game in which you'll then have to fork over money. And I I, I just you compare the responses and I, I think that, um, yeah, like I think the Marvel snap response from the developers is is probably the right move. But again, like um, I, I think there's been a lot of hate tossed at uh it's tough. I, I wouldn't want to be building a free to play game knowing that you are going you you're probably going to run into this problem eventually. Like you mm-hmm. are going to raise the ire of uh folks that are excited about your product um because because you have to have some form of monetization. And sometimes that's not always gonna work. They probably thought it was a good idea, you know, like they probably thought it was it was the right move and um yeah, obviously no one agreed with them there, and at least they're going back to the drawing board to sort something out. But yeah, it's I did hear rumblings of it. It's not available for me yet. I I, I would imagine it's going to be coming to uh, to Canada at some point in in sort of like a open iOS beta, but uh, not yet, not yet. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it should be coming soon because I think that they were planning on launching this summer. So uh, like to everybody, not just uh, the, the kind of smaller audience that that the Canadian iTunes store represents. But uh, yeah, I kind of I, I thought it would be out by now, to be honest. So I'm wondering if uh, this whole Nexus event thing has has delayed that uh, that launch period. But we'll have to see. Um, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Ryan, did you want to talk about Pokemon? Is there anything that really stuck out or are we good? We good to go. Uh, I, um, two things, motorcycle okay. Pokemon, <laughs> um, that I remember okay. that from the trailer. <laughs> so you get to ride a, and I'm I, look like I might have this completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure you get a motorcycle Pokemon and that's what you <laughs> use to get around. Um, now, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm kind of questioning like yeah, 50, 50 chance that I got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's a motorcycle Pokemon. Uh, but second, it looks like you're going to be able to, to co-op like four players can join one world and run around and play Pokemon. And I think that is, you know, in, in, you know, looking at what they did with Pokemon legends and then applying it to a modern Pokemon game with co-op where you can all jump into the same game. Like that is that is completely new and and i think to me um alongside motorcycle pokemon kind of a killer feature for pokemon like it's been so long since they've added something truly new and exciting and we finally have that with motorcycle pokemon and four player co-op so, <laughs> yeah it's exciting well i mean that's that's fun i mean i'm i'm interested to see and again like nintendo always worries me right because they don't do friend stuff well but no. Maybe this would be cool. And I look forward to like trying to play with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, here's the thing is like, I wasn't super uh, convinced. Like, look, I, I have Pokemon Legends. I played it and I think it's it's a really cool uh, new formula. And yeah, confirm Pokemon motorcycles. I just, you know, sc scrub through the trailer. So that's good. Everyone, everyone can uh, can put their iPods down. Um, but I but yeah, like the the promise of being able to play this co-op has actually you know moved this game to uh oh, maybe i'll check it out too i'll, I'll probably check this one out because i know at launch there will be a good chunk of folks in the tgi discord and the community mm -hmm. at large that will be looking to play this game and uh yeah i i think like a co-op at pokemon adventure like a mainline pokemon game as long as like maybe I, hopefully i didn't miss anything like it i i'm wondering like now they think about like the Nintendo way, like I'm almost wondering, oh, is this like a special kind of co-op or are they right? going to allow us to play all of it co-op? <laughs> now I'm a little worried. Maybe it's, it's like co-op, but then like only one person gets to control one character at a time. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that Nintendo has seen other co-op games and done other friend things well I don't know. Like, I'm just worried, <laughs> you know, I, again, like I didn't mean to, yeah, I didn't mean to like totally throw everything under the bus there and kill your enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, we've got, the motorcycle Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that might, that might sell me. Uh, it's weird. Like you it, throw your friends in front of the motorcycle might sell you on the game. <laughs> no, no. The motorcycle Pokemon. Sell me oh, I, okay. Okay. I think like, here's the thing. Uh, the game doesn't come out until November 18th. So we got lots of time to sort of determine, uh, you know, the, the abilities of the Pokemon motorcycles and, and the co-op. Uh, I, I would be a little concerned if it like, it, to me, it seemed like it was co-op. 
But uh, again, I could be wrong. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it looks really cool. It looks like they're taking what they've learned from Pokemon Legends and, and applying it to a, a modern Pokemon game. And and I think Sword and Shield got very close to what a, you know a, the next generation of Pokemon could be. But I think that it still was tied very closely to the last 20 years of Pokemon. And I mean, yeah, yeah, this Pokemon Direct really did feel like, okay, I think they are trying to build something new here within the main, you know, the mainline experience of of Pokemon games. And that's always been the frustration with Pokemon is that they're very keen to experiment with new Pokemon experiences in sort of the spinoff games. Um, but very reluctant to build like a new main Pokemon game with with new experiences outside of like, hey, they get they get giant now when you when you tap your Pokemon watch. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's like, yeah, no, it is cool, but it'd be cool if if there was more to it than just your Pokemon get super giant, right? Um, um you totally buried the lead here because you didn't mention anything about the fact that they turn into gemstones. Right. And th- that I think is the the, you know, turn your Pokemon giant mechanic. Yeah, they, it's the yeah, exactly. Is now that they're now, oh my god, there's so many glitters, Ryan. Yeah. There's so much glitter. <laughs> Look, and if you if you buy it, so you don't need to pre-order it, but if you buy the game, uh, you know, in the launch window, you get like a uh, gemstone Pikachu with balloons. So, <gasps> yeah, I'm sold. I, I look, look like if the co-op is uh, <laughs> if the co-op's a big deal, I'll pick it up. I, I I think I've already chosen. I can't remember which one that I was looking at. I I think it was Pokemon Scarlet that I was thinking of getting. Oh, uh, cool! Because there there's different characters and there are different schools and uh, different motorcycles. Okay, so there's a lot of difference between it's not just a couple of Pokemon here and there. And then your final legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I think it's, it's in line with all the other Pokemon games where it's, there are, I don't think you need to, I don't think you need to play both Pokemon games to get the full Pokemon Scarlet and Violet experience. I think you can still pick one and and go from there, but I, I think that it comes down to trading Pokemon and, and whichever legendary Pokemon sort of like looks more interesting to you. I think that's sort of the way I've always approached it. Um, but uh, yeah, like I think with this one, there are a couple of differences. Like you're going to, you have a different head teacher, uh, different legendary Pokemon and um, maybe a couple, a couple other differences, but yeah, like I, it's, it looks like this is going to be the next step for Pokemon. Um, although I guess there's still no voice acting. I mean, we talked about voice acting with other games, yeah, but yeah. I still think that Pokemon's gotten more cinematic and I'd even like to see them approach it like, okay, whenever we have like a cinematic moment, let's make sure we voice these characters. I would even forgive. I would even love to see that, like just to kind of punch up like those cinematic moments. Like, yeah, bring it into, you know, today's level of games. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, also upgrade the Game Boy sounds for the Pokemon noises. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. I would I would <laughs> say don't even worry about voice acting. If you just give me new Pokemon sounds, oh, God, I would be so grateful for that. I The screeching is so awful. <laughs> yeah, it's like it sounds like your speakers are broken. <laughs> to it be honest. does. At this point, it does 100%. So we'll have to see. But uh, man, so much glitter. I'm excited. 
That is actually going to do it for us this week. Uh, sorry for springing that random news story on you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, if you would like to join the conversation, again, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Don't forget, starting Sunday, August 14th, we will be starting uh, the TGI Game Club with Pyre. And uh, again, you can join in that conversation at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn to Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>